for joining us on the Equipping You podcast. Our prayer is that this podcast will encourage and equip Alliance pastors and leaders to live spiritually healthy lives and lead healthy churches. For more information about the Christ-centered Acts 1-8 Alliance family, visit equippingyou.org. Hey, 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 welcome back to Equipping You Podcast. This is Season 10, Episode 6, and we're coming to you today from Reynoldsburg, Ohio, technically, and just a little ways to our east in uh, Dresden, Ohio, is the home of the world's largest basket. Uh, <laughs> a former corporate corporate building for Longaberger Basket Company. They became a basket case. <laughs> yes, they and did. I don't believe they exist anymore, <laughs> but a seven-story basket that my wife and I drove past uh, a few months ago. Yes. I'm Terry, Church Ministries Leader for the Alliance. And I'm Alan, uh, Director of Development and the owner, through my wife, of many uh, baskets from Longerberger are in our house, I'm, I'm happy to say. In I spite think. of your investment, the corporation That's did not right. make That's it. That. You did your part, Alan. Yeah. <laughs> I tried to help them. Uh, I tried. But I helped build that seven-story basket. So. There you go. <laughs> uh, I think I saw your name on one of the uh, one of the bricks. Okay, yeah, I bet uh, you did. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, we have a real privilege today to... Uh, have with us Larry Walkemeyer. Uh, Larry came to our uh, district leaders gathering last November and uh, just really impacted by his message and the passion with which he brings it about multiplication. Uh, Larry's a free Methodist. I grew up and came to Faith in Christ in Free Methodist Church before I became Alliance and uh, a big part of exponential Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, Alan, you've had a lot of explo- uh, explosion, exposure. <laughs> well, maybe that's an appropriate yeah, word. It might be. Yeah. Uh, because he has that kind of impact. Yeah. But, uh, exposure to Larry's ministry. Talk about him. Well, I mean, the first thing that I think our, since especially now that we have this on video, I think our readers, our listeners, sorry, will pick up on the joy <laughs> that, that Larry has. That's a, he's just effusing with joy. Yeah. And I'm really thankful for that. And that's contagious. And his love for multiplication uh, and the willingness to let go of the one big church so that, you know, as he put it, from moving from a uh, castle mindset to a kingdom mindset. Love it. Yep. So you're going to enjoy this uh, episode. We're certain. Grab yourself a Boots Beverage Lemon Meringue Soda. I'd like to try that, Terry. I Thanks for that. It has like a foam across I, the it should. top of it or something. Sit back, relax. Here we go. And it's our privilege to welcome Larry Walkemeyer to Equipping You Podcasts. Larry, thanks for taking the time to join us today. We're really glad to have you here. Well, the honor's mine. Thank you so much, Terry and Alan. It's great to be with you and the Christian Missionary Alliance family. Love these, uh, love this tribe. Great well, people. Thank you. Well, I'm rather fond of the Free Methodists, too, since I gave my life to Jesus in that uh, tribe many years ago, 51 years ago, in fact. So, wow. So, hey, we like to help our listeners get to know our guests a little bit. We don't want them to know too much, but a little bit. <laughs> uh, c- can you tell us a bit about you, your family, how you came to know Christ? Yeah, sure. I, uh, I'm a farm boy from Kansas, and my daddy died when I was two. Wow. My mom 
raised us in the church, my sister and I, and I received Christ at eight years of age, yeah. baptized at 10, hmm. and called the ministry at 12. What happened when you yeah. were 14? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Right. At six, at sixteen, I became a helper to the senior pastor of our little church yeah. in Ulysses, Kansas. Wow. Uh, Seventy people. Wow. Uh, but then at eighteen, speaking of even years, we uh, I came to Azusa Pacific University on a football scholarship and sought to prepare for ministry. Met my wife there, Deb. We've been married since uh, nineteen seventy eight, yeah. and. Uh, have two daughters, uh, one who uh, is biological daughter, and one we adopted off the streets of Long Beach. Wow. And mm. uh, so, just two amazing gals, and um, really, uh, really wonderful times of joy uh, together as a family still because they're both local. Fantastic. That's wonderful. Terry and I are already envious because wish, we wish we would have gotten sports scholarships and never did. So. Yeah, yeah. Nobody saw our talent. We can't yeah. believe it. Can't believe it. Uh, I am surprised by that. <laughs> I, uh, you shouldn't be. <laughs> I spent plenty of time sitting on the bench observing. That's but... right. Yeah, we knew a lot about the games we played. Yeah. Or watched being played. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my. Oh, well, hey, we really appreciate you coming on, and we'd love to hear a little bit about your journey in serving Christ and His church. Absolutely. Uh, like I said, I was called to uh, ministry at 12. The only other thing I wanted to do was to be a professional football player, mm -hmm. but I gave up those realistic aspirations. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you would have made it, Larry. Everybody recruits on Azusa Pacific, so I'm sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so I gave that up and was pursuing ministry and became a youth pastor in uh, the largest church in Seattle. And hmm. um, that uh, was an interesting journey there as a youth pastor. Uh, it fell apart uh, through some circumstances, and I started a a nonprofit ministry called Teen Leaders for Christ, still focused on teenagers and helping teach them leadership skills through mm. adventure camps, through sailing and uh, skiing and things that I like to do. That was brilliant. Uh, it was real sacrifice. <laughs> I see a theme. Yeah, exactly. So then I came back to Southern California and uh, continued my education down here as a, and served as an associate pastor at a fast-growing church uh, in the suburbs of L.A. area. And um, when they asked me to become the senior pastor, I, I thought that's what I would do because they were going to buy us a new house and pay us lots of money. It was, it was, it was an all-white church in the suburbs. And I said, Lord, that's what you wanted me to do. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> Uh, there was a guy auditing a class at seminary, and uh, he said, we don't have a pastor, and uh, our church is just trying to keep the doors open in North Long Beach, and the community's changed all around us. There are lots of gangs and violence. Uh, would you come be our senior pastor instead? <laughs> what an invitation. Uh, I'm like, <laughs> of course. I, no, I was like, are you kidding? Yeah. No way. And uh, he said, would you pray about it? Don't ever answer that yes, oh, yeah, I tell yeah. you. <laughs> but you pray about it. Uh, and when uh, I, I really didn't pray about it until just a, a few days before I had to make my final decision and give a uh, final yes. And as I was driving home from seminary, I said, Lord, I really do want to uh, seek you and give this other opportunity at least a prayer. 
And the voice of the Lord uh, filled my car as Stephen Curtis Chapman was singing, We Will Abandon It All for yeah. the Sake wow. of the Call. Wow. No other reason at all but the sake of the call. Wholly devoted to yeah. live and to die for the sake of the call. And the Lord's voice said, Larry, I want you to go to the little place. And I'm crying and like, Lord, I've never told you no when you've to made it obvious, but you got to talk to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> She's already got curtains picked up for our new home. Yeah, yeah. And I pull up to the, um, to the garage and she meets me at the garage door, which was unusual. She'd been crying and she said, I said, honey, what's wrong? She said, Larry, you're not going to believe this, but I was praying this evening and the Lord, I think, wants us to go to Long Beach. Wow. What a story. Wow. God is so good. And I, and I said, well, honey, let me tell you what happened. And uh, so in 91, we went to uh, this tiny handful of white people uh, in a very diverse and violent neighborhood hmm. yeah. and started serving there. Hmm. Wow. Well, we'll tap into a little bit more of that story later. But uh, first, Larry, tell us a couple of people, a couple of leaders who have influenced you as a leader, influenced you as a person and a pastor. Yeah, Terry, there have been tons of those, uh, you know. Um, but three that come to mind is uh, Harold Taves, who never pastored a church of over 70 in southwest Kansas and was my pastor who helped bring me into ministry and um, and just saw something in me that uh, I didn't see in myself and gave me my first opportunities of ministry. And he went on to launch uh, 12 different folks like me into full-time ministry. Wow, that's that, beautiful. It's amazing. That re really impacted my life. Um, and then I'd say Todd Wilson, who was the uh, co-founder of Exponential, because yeah. I didn't understand um, multiplication really until I met Todd. Um, I'd, I'd started planning churches, but not understanding multiplication. A nuclear engineer, Todd is, and he helped me to learn to think uh, more deeply. And of course, we've written a few books together. Uh, and then Ralph Moore, who uh, yep. planted the first Hope Chapel, and now over 3,000 churches have come from that one Hope mm -hmm. Chapel's lineage. Mm -hmm. And Ralph and I have become uh, best friends of each other, and I've learned so much from him. Hmm. Fantastic. That's great. I love to hear that. Love stories like that, too. And uh, that connection to that small church pastor, you know, I just imagine him standing in glory and greeting those people as they come home to Jesus. And Jesus saying, well done. Yeah, it's just a beautiful thought. It is, I, I, really is. Yeah, I'm so happy for him, thinking about him reflecting on that on the other side. So, uh, so you know, as you already started to allude to, we asked you to be on to talk about multiplication today. But I'm intrigued first because you wrote a book with your wife on marriage and ministry. Uh, what motivated you to write that book? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, my wife's a licensed marriage family um, therapist, and she had counseled hundreds of ministry families. Um, and so she had seen the brokenness and the real need. And of course, from my seat as lead pastor in the church and dealing and uh, with a lot of various churches and beginning to speak in different places across the nation, I began to see the brokenness in pastors' marriages. And so many of them just weren't making it, ended up in divorce or uh, they were just surviving, but not flourishing, not thriving. And Deb and I just had enjoyed such a, a wonderful marriage. And uh, so we just we just had this passion. And, and as we begin to understand um, 
the level five church, uh, which is exponentials language in regards to multiplication, we really begin to see that uh, ministry marriages really lived in five different levels. And we had a passion to see more marriages become level five marriages. And Mm -hmm. so uh, on a sabbatical, we we wrote uh, this book, which uh, initially was titled uh, A Flourish, but uh, to go with one of our exponential conference themes is now together with family. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of folks have told us it's really helped them in their ministry marriage. Mm-hmm. That's uh, great. Love it. Fantastic. Love it. We need more help in that area. So we're grateful, Larry, for the ways that you've helped our Alliance pastors and church planners through exponential and other ways. Uh, you know, we're seeking to be a family of churches that makes and multiplies disciples and churches and uh, you've been helpful to us. You've been helpful to our national leaders, our district leaders, as you came and spoke to us last uh, November. So can you tell us about the tipping point when your church moved from an addition mindset to a multiplication mindset? Yeah, Terry, thanks for thanks for that question and that opening to tell what really is a God story. And if I don't start there, we start in the wrong place because... Mm. Only the Lord could write a story uh, like ours. And uh, so I, I mentioned that we came down to North Long Beach. Um, and as I came down there, I was, uh, I'd was i been asked to be the pastor of this much larger church. Um, and I came and I'd been really schooled on church growth. That uh, 91 was kind of the a, one of the apexes of of church growth movement. Sure. And I just read the number one book at the time on how to grow your church. And that was my goal was to have a fast growing church and uh, become the biggest church in our city kind of thing. And uh, the book said, in order to grow your church, what you really need is ample and convenient parking. And <laughs> I looked at our 39 parking spots and <laughs> and said, thanks a lot, God. (laughs) You know, how are we going to grow this church? And and yet the Lord was faithful. And of course, we made a bunch of changes, did a lot of those things that are really effective and helpful in growing a church. And one of the main things was we began to walk, prayer walk the neighborhood and say, um, God, please help our church look like our neighborhood. And Hmm just praying and praying. And then we start meeting neighbors and start asking them the next question of how can we pray for you and how can we serve you? And so as we followed that, that was one of the main keys to our growth and the, the multi-ethnic uh, diversity that began to happen in our church. And we began to grow and we became, despite our 39 parking spots, the fastest growing church in our denomination. And we won the plaque. The bishops give a plaque for the fast that they used to a plaque for the fastest growing church in in the denomination. We won that plaque. And I was like, yes, we won the plaque. And we've we've arrived in church. We're going to win it again next year. But we were going to have to relocate. We were running five services at the time. And it was just we we were going to relocate, big parking, safer area of town. And our goal was to become a mega church. But my wife being more spiritual than me, uh, said, honey, maybe, <laughs> maybe before we try and raise $12 million and do this, uh, we ought to go away and fast and pray. And so we did. And um, as we were fasting and praying and in the word of God separately, 
we both got the same uh, passage of scripture, which was Ezekiel chapter 47, where Ezekiel sees the temple and then he sees a trickle running out of the temple that becomes a creek that becomes a stream that becomes a mighty river. And it says that where the river flows, everything will live. Verse nine. And the Lord revealed to both of us that we would been, we'd been a lake church where everyone was flowing in around one pastor to build one vision, giving to one budget and, and doing all they could to build this one place. And we were just keeping everybody in that came to build our lake bigger and bigger. And we just wanted to relocate our lake, but God had a different vision. And that vision was to um, become a river church where out of the temple, the, the temple wouldn't get bigger, but the river would flow out of the temple and people would flow into the river and they would flow on downstream um, to bring the kingdom to places that were dead and dry hmm. and where the river would flow, everything would live. And so that revelation is supernatural week that we spent together, uh, just birthed this vision Now we, we, thought about church planting. It's not like we never thought about planting churches, but it certainly wasn't our goal or our direction. And so we, the Holy Spirit kind of backed this into it. That He said, you could, you could go and become that mega church. That, that's an option. Or you could follow the river vision that I'm revealing to you. And you might never be that much bigger, but your kingdom impact can be exponentially larger. So that's really how we got uh, from this addition passion to a a passion for multiplication. Um, There's a lot more to the story then, but uh, that's how we got there. I love that. That's good. That is good to do. Love to see that. Uh, You know, that, of course, that reminds then of your book, Flow, which is, I think that's the first time I read or heard anything from you. Um, uh, I've had lots of connections since then at Exponential and learning communities and stuff. But one of the things I like that you got, and I think Todd Wilson has written about this as well, is those tensions of multiplication. And every pastor that's going to take that road is going to feel that tension and may not like that tension, I guess. That's why it's called <laughs> tension. <laughs> Could you unpack maybe just a few of those tensions of what pastors are going to have to wrestle with? Oh, yeah, man. Those are very real and very tough mm. um, because there is this there is this stretch between the vision that God births for multiplication and the reality of where you're at. And that it's like a rubber band. It's it's there's just this hole there. Mm-hmm. And um, so. You know, I can just kind of tell you some of ours that are probably pretty universal for most pastors that want to move an established church into uh, into a multiplication mindset. And um, one of those for us, of course, was financial scarcity. We're in a really a economically challenged part of the city, and we had never had an abundance of finances. Uh, People that drew, drove Mercedes came and got their car stretched, and they didn't. <laughs> they didn't stay alive. You know, somebody keyed their cars. You know, it was just a uh, so financial uh, scarcity was just this. Uh, like Lord, if we start doing this, we're we're going to give tithers away, and we're just trying to we're just trying to make budget, and there there's going to be uh, 
there's going to be real sacrifice involved in this financial that that financial insecurity is is just was just a real one for us mm-hmm. uh can we can we really afford to do this um because this is going to cost us money we're going to invest in 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 our plants and we're going to give these tithers away we're, um that was a real tension for us um facility sacrifice was a big one for us and and by that i meant we we had old carpet that really needed to be replaced and we had residential track lighting for stage lighting and one of our goals had been that we're going to replace this with real stage lighting and a mm-hmm. better sound system and uh, put on a much better and effective uh, worship performance on sunday mornings and we had to kind of just say are we going to plant or are we going to upgrade the facility right now? Um, and we had to make that decision. Mm-hmm. We had momentum and growth, and so it's like, what do you, what are you thinking, Larry? Uh, <laughs> you're going to sacrifice this momentum to to plant churches and send your best people out? Uh, that that doesn't make any sense mm-hmm. in the natural. Would we still have momentum? Would we be able to replace that momentum that we uh, might lose? Um, mm-hmm. You know, and th- there was, you know, th- this relational uh, tension, relational disruption in church planting like we do it. Now, there are many mo- models, but like we do it, the, the allegiance and the loyalty uh, of the people who would go with the church plant would have to shift from the planting pastor to the, uh, I mean, from the, from the sending pastor, mm-hmm. the established pastor, me, to the planting pastor and that would have to become their pastor and there was just stuff in that relationally that was a tension uh for me um and uh you know and with that one kind of is uh, kind of this proximity protection i call it where are we going to make them plant far enough away that they can't be any kind of competition to us or are we just going to let them plant where the spirit leads them to plant? Um, because what if they plant and their church grows faster than our church and, <laughs> and more and more people from our mother church go to the plant church? How am I going to feel about that? Um, so th- there were just a lot of those kind of tensions, uh, uh, capacity tension. Our church wasn't full. Our parking lot was full. But our sanctuary, we just added a balcony when this vision was given. Uh, well, a couple of years before that. And we're like, our balcony's not full. Uh, well, it's partly because our parking is overstretched. But uh, we got, Pastor, you got room here still. Why would we want to plant a church when we still have room in our existing church? That doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- those were those were some of the tensions. I can unpack a few more, but... Uh, yeah. Those are some of them. Yeah, that's good stuff. I was actually talking to one of my coworkers, Jeff, uh, a couple weeks ago uh, about the tensions we have in ministry and how we have to hold on to two different things. This is the one. It's nice, nice to record on video now, so now I can do. Yeah, this. yeah, yeah. And he said, yeah. "Well, that's really good because when you're holding those tensions, you're in the right position. Mm, you know, you're taking up, that's your, taking up your cross. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, oh, that's good. I'll be using that. So yeah. that's yeah. off to Jeff for saying that. That's, right. that's a good point. Keeps us in the right place." Thanks, Alan. Mm. So, uh, Larry, tell us about your personal journey from being a leader <laughs> to becoming a launcher. 
Uh, you mean you want me to talk about my ego, my pride, my insecurity? <laughs> yeah, all that. Yeah, okay. yeah. We're, this is a counseling session. Come on, yeah. un unpack it, Thank brother. You. He already has a wife that's a therapist. He doesn't need us, Terry. Yeah, well, uh, Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, yeah, this is the... These are the most important tensions, and and um, you know, the Lord just really showed me that, uh, Larry. Unless you're willing to die, you'll never multiply. You know, no. uh, you're gonna, you, you've got to die to 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 yourself and to selfish ambitions for the sake of kingdom ambitions. Mm, um, love that. And I'd always wanted to be a hero. My, like I said, my daddy died when I was two. I was hero to my mom and my sister and hero on the football field. And, you know, I'd kind of been the golden boy in the denomination I grew up in. Because, uh, yeah, just and, – and so it's like my church was growing. We won the – so it was really are you willing uh, to lay that down? And, Larry, would you be okay if your church never grew any larger – but my kingdom grew. And uh, mm. so it was, boy, there were some hard internal things um, in, in terms of saying, okay, I, I, I love being a leader where people look to me, but how about being a hero maker, a launcher where, you know, my greatest joy becomes in who I send out instead of who is gathered around me and following me directly. Um, so that was a personal journey of just crucifying the flesh. And yeah. as you probably both know so well, and I know so well, the flesh doesn't stay dead. You know, it's uh, <laughs> no. when, when Jesus says in Luke 9, 23, you got to take up your cross daily. He was talking to me, man. I, mm -hmm. that, I you make you. that decision and yet, and it, you know, it can be a significant moment, mm -hmm. but you got to renew those moments. And with every church plant, it seems like um, I, I've had to face some of those things over and over again. And, my identity had to become more centered in just my sonship, just being a child of God. Mm. Was that enough? Was my value in just that enough? And was I secure enough so that we could send people out and I could have a smaller church and still just be as secure about who I was in God? And um, so... Yeah, I had to lay down some dreams. I had, you know, these dreams of being a large church and the accolades that went with that. And uh, that, yeah, am I willing to be hidden and uh, and, and go through that kind of uh, a sacrifice in order to be that launcher? Uh, so the Lord really had to work with me on castle versus kingdom and i probably didn't have all that language at that moment mm -hmm. but is it going to be building a bigger castle or are you are you good if my kingdom grows but your castle stays the same size mm -hmm. and uh, one of the you know uh, big sayings at uh, at exponential is my fruit grows on other people's trees mm -hmm. and I love uh, that uh, so how can I help other people bear fruit rather than just ha having a bigger tree myself yeah, yeah. great that's great. Uh, you know, I imagine that one of the reasons that pastors don't want to go down this road is, be, if we're honest, is that they have to face some of their own fears. <laughs> uh, and 
you know, we're supposed to be people of faith, and faith is over fear, so let's not admit that we have fears. But I think, you know, as I've had to wrestle with stuff, I know I've had to wrestle with some of my own fears, and I'm sure you have too. So could you maybe describe some of the fears that you faced personally in moving towards multiplication? Yeah, one was a fear of failure. Mm. Um, just, um, you know, I was succeeding at growing a church, but what would happen? Could I, if I try multiplication, try launching this river, uh, is it going to work? Uh, why risk losing at multiplication? Uh, what if church planting, you know, damaged the mother church? Could we recover? Um, those were some of my fears in regards to, to failure. Um, and the uh, kind of the fear of loss of control. Multiplication is the empowerment of others. It, it's, a, it's a divesting of direct management of leaders and of people. And did I, did I, did I really trust God enough to hand over large groups of our people mm. to novice shepherds? I mean, um, wow. Um, that was, that, that was a fear for me. Um, are they ready? You know, and can, am I trusting God or am I trusting that pastor most? And, um, so that there was that there was the fear of conflict initially because I I don't like conflict and uh, my board was really with me and growing the church but when I came back and say hey let's give away as many people as we can uh, as often as we can and um, and there were some folks on our board that just did not see that vision at all uh, and uh, it generated some real. Uh, sparks. And, uh, so that, that was one of my initial fears and yeah, uh, th just the fear of change. Um, that that's always a real, uh, a, a fear. What's, what's it going to be like next? What's that, what that's, what's that next chapter of light and life, uh, going to feel like, and the fear of who's going to go. I, I remember one of the things we do is on launch Sunday, we'll, We'll call up the church planter and their spouse and uh, wash, I'll wash their feet and we'll pray for them. But we'll also call up, hey, all those that are feeling called by God to go on this next church plant, come on up. And usually I know most of who's going to go. And again, that can be a small group of 12 people, or it's sometimes it's been as much as 25% of our church that come up on the stage wow. and getting... Um, uh, 200 people up on the stage. And, and I've had moments where some of my close friends who were really important to the church, all of a sudden were walking up. I remember uh, when Terry walked up, I said, Terry, he, he'd been my head usher forever. I said, Terry, what are you doing? I got him <laughs> off to the side as people were coming up. Oh, Terry, what are you doing? He said, I'm going with Brian on his church plant. I said, no, you're not. <laughs> I said, what? <laughs> You can't go, uh, but uh, wow. you know God That's... called Terry to go, and I can tell you that whole story. It's an amazing story. Um, but there was always that kind of that fear, mm -hmm. um, and you know, and even Deb and I have had to take pay cuts uh, three different times over these uh, uh, thirty years um, in order to keep the river flowing, just because um, there were times when the finances didn't come in. Uh, and so there was always that fear of financial impact. But I will have to just quickly add, 
Um, there was never a year in 30 years, even those years we gave away 25% of our church, that we didn't end up by the end of the financial year having more money that had come in than the year before, yeah. which, yeah, it's just amazing. So, yeah, we, we, we just have this mantra around light and life that says uh, you can't outgive God, Amen. whether it's people Amen. or money. Yeah. Amen. So true. Absolutely. So maybe there's some uh, pastors out there who are, you know, beginning to spin the dials in their heads saying, I need to move from being a leader to a launcher. What areas of knowledge does that pastor need to grow in to make that jump? Boy, that's a, that's a great question. And it's, it's a, it's a big question. Uh, I, I think, you know, there's different kinds of knowledge. And so one of the places I would start is just, you, you really need to know your motives. You know, Simon Sinek wrote the book, start with why. Mm -hmm. And, uh, if you don't really have a deep, deep why uh, for planting, sending, launching, multiplying, um, you're not going to make it. I mean, God had to take me into his words so deep that it became a biblical conviction of conviction of the spirit because he gave us this revelation and this passion and um but it had to get into me at the deepest levels of why we're doing this. Um, and if it's not because of love, if it's it, it just not going to work. And by love, I mean love for God, that this is the pattern that Jesus used. Love for the word, that this is the pattern that we see in the word. Uh, love for the lost, that this is the most effective way to reach the most lost people possible. <laughs> if 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 we don't know that in the deepest part of us, um, it's just not going to sustain a multiplication vision because it's hard. It's challenging. There, every time I send people, um, we send people. It's a time of tears and cheers. Both. Mm. It just really hurts uh, just to release people, and so you've got to be super convinced. Um, and you also have to come to a deeper knowledge of the power of prayer. Uh, we did a 40-day fast before we started in on multiplication uh, as a church, and it was the most powerful and profound fast I've ever done. Gave up food for 40 days, all food, and just sought the Lord in prayer and 24-hour prayer meetings at the church where we'd lock ourselves in the sanctuary. And um, if you don't come to a deeper level of spiritual warfare and prayer, it's going to be hard to become a launcher and multiplier. Um so th th those are those kind of knowledge pieces. You, you need to know the risk and really weigh the risk uh, and be ready to fa face those. Um, you, you really need to know um, your your church and, and how to transition it, know your people and uh, the culture that exists in the church and how to affect cultural change. And I could... I do a whole teaching on cultural change within a church to move them from an addition mindset to a multiplication mindset. And, and then if, if you want to step into the more practical side of knowledge, you know, you, you need to know church planning, uh, you know, just principles. What model is God calling you? There are all kinds of models of church planting. What kind of sending model or launching model are you going to pursue? And, um, and who's your target? What, 
Um, you know, who are you trying to reach? And, and you really need to know your business plan. What's what's the financial uh, model that you're gonna uh, you know you're gonna pursue in this plan? Um, and uh, so, yeah, I, th there's all kind of free resources. And if you don't read ten books on church planting. Um, and get just kind of so breadth of knowledge, you're probably not ready to really be a launcher. Um, and there are all kind of free resources out there. Uh, just a plug for Exponential, we, we've got a ton of free ebooks that um, that are available on all kinds of things about church planting. And I have always been so grateful for that. I mean, we have, there are so many of them, like you said, and by people that I haven't heard of before and that have made a massive commitment to multiplication and they're quality books. You know, you don't read them. When I first started reading the free books, I thought, ah, they probably threw these together quick and it's probably manuscripts of somebody's talk or something like that. I'm like, these are good books. I mean, there's some really great. So I highly endorse going to exponential.org and downloading some of those free eBooks, um, wealth of resources, including some from you, no doubt. Uh, so, you know, now you have all the all these river years behind you, um, and you learned some lessons that some you were happy to learn, and some you probably wish you didn't have to learn. Give us a two or three of like important lessons you've learned. Yeah, there are so many, and uh, if. Um you know, the, the Lord's been good to us. We've launched one or two churches um, a year for the last uh, 30, well, no, since 90, since 99. Um, I was thinking my ministry uh, tenure. But, but uh, yeah, since 99, we've launched one or two churches a year. And now we've got granddaughter churches happening, which I'm excited about. Yes. But what, what, one of the lessons that I've learned is if you if you don't, build multiplication into the the individual and group level of your church it's going to be much harder to build it into the church planting level of your church and this is a huge mistake i made i got really fixated on planting churches but didn't understand the foundation of multiplication that would feed that and so um by that i mean multiplication in terms of personal disciple making where you're making disciples who make disciples and that becomes part of the culture of your church and you're starting uh, groups that multiply groups and that becomes a part of your culture of your church where multiplication is not just oh let's try and programmatically plant a church because that's what I, I did and that's why we're in exponential language, a level four church of reproduction, but not yet a level five church of multiplication because I didn't see it systemically through the culture of the church, mm. all of multiplication. So we'd launch these churches, but they still, you know, like one day we might, we might plant a church instead of planting with this, we are going to, we're going to plant a church as soon as we can, because that's just who we are. Mm -hmm. We multiply um, because disciple making, multiplicative disciple making is the core of multiplication movements. And that's what we see in global movements. Um, but we don't see it much in the U.S. and we haven't seen it in our church. And so that would be a, a, a lesson. Um, and uh, 
another lesson that I, I really have learned is um, is that you've got to be willing to take significant risk in order to multiply. Um, so many churches that I deal with in church planting and multiplication, they just want to get their, their strategy just right, get all systems just perfect, and okay, uh, we're ready to go. We've got this nice notebook and this nice plan, and we're, we're going to put a lot of money into it, and here we go. But um, you... You've got to be able to take those risks to say, okay, Lord, it's, um, for most churches, it's ready, set, 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 and they never get to go. Um, it, no, you, you, you need to build the plane while, while you fly it, man. You, you need to get it out the door and then continue to uh, adjust. And um, the more we've done that, um, the better it's worked. And, and you got to be willing to fail. I, I mean, he, quick story is that uh, the Lord called Deb and I to plant the first church, even though we had the mother church, we planted on Sunday night down in our neighborhood of Long Beach, which was totally different, highly educated, just um, more white area. So we planted on Sunday night and the Lord really blessed that. It's quite a story, amazing story, but eventually I had to choose between mother church and daughter. I chose mom, handed off daughter to a guy I've been raising up and uh, it went pretty well for the next five years. And, um, but then it, it fell apart for some reasons and it died. So seven years in the church was gone mm. and so I, people ask me, was well, was that a failure, dude? Can I tell you that five churches came out of that church through pastors that we sent out, including one who's not a pastor but ministers on Capitol Hill and in Washington D.C. to senators, to the vice president, to um, to even times the president. Um, it came out of that church plan. Hmm. So. You, you just you got to have a kingdom mindset that says it, it we won't see it short term and we might not see it with our own eyes but what is God gonna do if we'll take the risk to uh, to plant uh, churches and we're willing to plant with one talent two talent and five talent guys everybody's looking for the perfect church planter mm. and uh, we're saying no and again it depends on the model you're planting. But um, we will empower um, those who feel called by God to plant a church. And some of our best church planters have been those nobody would have taken a chance on. Mm -hmm. um, but the Lord called them and equipped them, and we sent them. Amen. Love it. So I'm going to call an audible on the last question, Larry. Uh, you're a football player, so you're used to this. <laughs> uh, tell us about the family tree of your church. You know, So you moved from addition to multiplication you gave us a little bit of an idea of how many churches have been planted but uh you know give us that idea how many people are included in those churches how many people have come to christ you may not know exact numbers i realize yeah. and what kinds of what kinds of churches what different kinds of churches are out there in the family tree of light and life yeah uh, great question terry and um we can identify 30 
two churches that have been planted out of Light and Life since 1999. And there have been different models that have been used from just sending as few as seven people. Um, but uh, the, the primary model that we have used is to raise up a leader give them a pulpit time over a period of about 12 months, uh, identifying them as one who's going to be sent out to plant and say, God is going to call a bunch of you to go with uh, Brian when he goes and, um, and, and then uh, send out a hive, which, you know, average 40, 50 people, usually uh, a church, we're a church of about 800 to a thousand. And, um, but we've had uh, as much as I said, 25% of the church go now. And some of our churches, two of our churches are actually um, larger than we are now. Um, the one that's larger than us is just seven minutes away from the mother church. <laughs> um, so uh, that's exciting. Um, we've, we've had just a couple of the house church models um, more recently that we're trying to get to multiply and spread that way. But most of them have buildings, but we, um, most of them are within commuting distance because the mother church continues to uh, feed the church. And so within 30 minutes, most of uh, the churches have been planted, but we have planted in uh, as far away as Philadelphia and in other places in Southern California, different models of churches. Um, and uh I haven't even talked about international because what happened once we got the multiplication DNA, we started planting all kinds of churches in the Philippines, in Ethiopia, in, in Kalimantan, Borneo, among the Dayak tribe. Uh, we've sent missionaries out just with this multiplication idea. Um, so, and I kind of confess that because I failed to really instill multiplication DNA, we haven't had that generational multiplication power. So we've got about five or six granddaughters now, but we should have about 20 or 30 by now, and we don't. So that that message is coming on more and more uh, into the life of, uh, of the river. Well, love the way you think, love your heart, love the way you trust God. And uh, speaking of multiplication, may God multiply your kind uh, of Amen. leaders across uh, evangelical uh, Christianity in the U.S. and around the world. So again, Larry, thanks for taking the time to be with us and talk to us today. We're very grateful. Yes, we are. Well, thanks, Terry and Alan. Thanks for your ministry and all that you're doing to lead the church forward. And I just bless you. May your tribe multiply. We need a lot more of you. Uh, thank, you. thank you. Thank you. Well, Alan, I'm always inspired yeah. when I listen to uh, Larry, and today was no exception to that. Uh, what would you like to say to our listeners based on Larry's message to us today? Well, I would like them to be inspired. Yeah. I think, you know, we talk about, you know, b making a kingdom impact uh, and not just having a, a bigger castle. I want them to be inspired to gospel impact through that kind of thinking. But I also do want them to be honest that if they really want to pursue that, it is going to be hard. There are going to be sacrifices to make, be made. There are going to be tensions to be managed. And 
Uh, and it really comes, you know, John 12, Jesus said, unless the seed falls in the ground and dies, you will bear no fruit. So there's a part of it that we just have to die to ourselves so that we can bear that fruit. So I would really encourage leaders to be inspired, but also to be honest about it. So grab some of Larry's books on yeah. uh, multiplication and grab the one on marriage while you're at it. And yeah. uh, Hey, read, and if I can away. encourage yep. and if them, we have, we're always putting together uh, exponential learning communities, which is yep. a group of 25 pastors that go to three meetings in a year, plus do some other homework to focus on learn about multiplication. And uh, if you're interested in that, contact your district leader. Uh, that's a great way to get plugged into that. It's a great place to learn in the context with other Alliance pastors. I've heard nothing but good stuff about the people it's from fantastic. the people who have been involved in yep, this. They're good. So uh, next time on Equipping You Podcast, episode seven of season 10, we'll be talking to Dr. Scott Ream, pastor at Somerset Alliance Church. But uh, he has some great research and tools related to uh, avoiding pastoral burnout. Mm. And uh, boy, that's an important message. Sure is. Never been more important. So uh, we uh, love having you with us and look forward to having you with us again next time. Meanwhile, keep the faith. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Equipping You podcast. If you liked this episode, please consider subscribing and sharing it with a friend. For more information about this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org.